Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hoover. So this past week, I um, went on a date and um, <laughs> I just realized something and I left the date feeling like really proud of myself because um, obviously, you know, I've like struggled with dating and listening and honoring my body. And um, it was like an individual who I'd known like years ago. And so like we went on a date and I noticed like throughout the date that there was this not so much like banter, but you know, that kind of like humor that me and you used to talk about in my previous relationship that was like almost offensive or condescending. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I didn't really know. I still don't know what this is called, but I felt that in my body where I was like that my body feels the same way that it did in that last relationship with the type of humor that is being played. And I found myself kind of backtracking in my head throughout the date being like making excuses like, Oh, like he probably didn't mean it like that. Or I just need to lighten up or like, maybe I'm just taking it too seriously. And I found myself doing that consistently throughout the date. And like, I think there's a difference between banter and then like just being an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Some of the stuff that he said, I was just like, I was like feeling like it was bordering disrespectful or even condescending and um basically like at the end of the day he like wanted to go on a second date and I just so clearly felt like those words that you've spoken to me before which is like um you sometimes don't have all the information and I remember sitting there and like he was like you know you want to go on a second date and just feeling this like hesitancy in my in myself and then thinking like I can say no because I have more information than I did previously going on this date. Like, I don't want to go down this road anymore. So I'm actually going to like remove myself from this equation. And he was like kind of offended and like fist bumped me when he, it was weird. It was, it was weird. Um, But I was like kind about it, you know, but um, I just think that the humor I left and I would call my friend and I was like, what? is this type of humor because it's a thing this condescending humor can you give me a good example so that we can kind of give something tangible for folks when you're saying this kind of humor mm-hmm. what exactly what does that sound like yeah like um I mean, I don't, there was a couple of things. I don't really remember exactly the wording, but he kind of made a joke about how I'm like an airhead or I left my phone in the bathroom. Again, like the kind of just like airheady, I, you know, actions of like leaving your phone in the bathroom. Like who does that? Me apparently. And we had like left and then we had to go back inside. And then when we were leaving, he was like joking, but he was like, yeah, uh, Apparently you just do knucklehead things. And next time we go on a date, I'm going to have to hold your phone at the table because apparently you just like lose things in the bathroom. That's why you're supposed to like put it in your pocket. And I was like, he said more things attached to that, but 
it's like, it was like one of those situations where it's like, ha ha ha. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm, you know, just played it off, but it was like multiple comments that he made where it was like kind of almost like devaluing me, I think. Here's what I love about what you're talking about on the date. I think a lot of people, and, and this spans the age ranges. This ha- this spans from, I, I have a friend who this weekend in her 50s just went on a first date. If you would like to imagine spending the rest of your life made to feel as if you were an airhead or you were easily forgetful of things or pointing out the things that are, and I'm using quotation marks, wrong with you. If that's the life that you'd like to live, that's a great perspective, an overlay to put over an entirety of what life could look like. Because if you're on a first date, or if you're on a second date, or if you were nine months in, don't you want somebody who's going to talk to you as if what you do is amazing and point out the good things about you versus pointing out the bad things about you. Again, bad in quotation marks. But why wouldn't a first date be focused on, here's what I see in you that I like versus here's what I see in you that makes you an airhead? Like, which do we want to hang out with? We we want to hang out with people who see in us the value because there is so much of value in us as humans, in me, in you, in the friends we have. So why wouldn't someone on a first date want to draw that out in an authentic way? Maya, I see you. And you know what I notice about you is like, you talk great to the wait staff that come around. You know what I notice about you is that you're really kind and you listen. You know what I notice about you is I really like being in your company because of just the attitude of who you are. Mm-hmm. But instead of focusing on that, a first date decides to focus on the fact that you left your phone in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Which do we want to hang out with? Right. Right. And I feel like it teeters on this type of humor. Um, even like just a brief, you know, he giving me a, a peppermint. And the peppermint tasted peppery, not like minty. It tasted like pepper from like a pepper, you know, salt and pepper. And I made that comment and then he, but it was like in his tone where he was like, it's literally a peppermint. Like, that's what it is. Like he talked to me very, like, it was like sarcasm, but like banter, but like almost like teetering on kind of like, I can't tell if you're being rude or if you're like just being silly and it's harmless, right? Like it's not harming me. It's not like unsafe. But I found myself searching in these particular moments throughout the night where it was like, I, I was like, I don't really know. I think I, I know that I really value kindness and gentleness. It doesn't feel kind and gentle. And I don't think I like this very much, you know? And I think that's the beautiful part of deciding when you're dating, or even if you're in a long-term relationship and somebody exposes a part of themselves within that relationship that unsettles you. I would love for us as women, regardless of the generation from which we hail, that we honored our bodies, that we without explanation didn't have to say, well, maybe it's just me, or maybe I'm being too sensitive, or maybe I just need to adjust my humor to sarcastic humor. Mm. Instead of doing those things, we just said, I just, I can't name it. I can't really, it's not like I can designate you as an asshole, but I don't really like how you made me feel Mm -hmm. and be done with it because Mm -hmm. there are billions of people in the world. There are, there are people that you're going to come around with in your city. So maybe there's hundreds of thousands of people within your city that aren't going to use that type of humor as a way to communicate. Now, there could be some people who thrive on sarcasm, who thrive on that little bit of teasing back and forth, who are like perfectly fine in that realm. Let them be, Mm -hmm. pursue that, go on the second date, third date, fourth date, fifth date with this person. But if you don't like it, that's the beautiful part of it. No more. I wish we could just try to come up with a t-shirt and a saying that we can all wear that says, no more. Am I going to think well, 
gosh, maybe it's just me. If I were different, I would like that. Instead of saying, wow, this is just me. I'm going to embrace the fact that I don't like that. And please, I'm freeing you to go find a person who does. Yeah. The amount of times that we complicate ourselves and compromise ourselves to a life where we are around people who make us feel bad is not necessary. Right. I agree. And I also think like everyone has different types of humor, but like for me, I just don't, I want to go on a date with someone and be like pursued, not necessarily. I think humor is so important to have someone who like makes you laugh and who brings joy into your life. But this type of like broy roasting humor, it's like save that for your guy friends. Like I don't really, yeah, I don't really yeah. want to, you know. And so I don't know. Like just um, another thing that I wanted to touch on is um, expectations. I feel like that's something that comes up a lot within the realms of romantic relationships where uh, a lot of people date very like casually, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think it's important to kind of figure out it's fine to date and to not have to like want to date other people to figure out what you want. But I feel like there's this phrase that comes up a lot where it's like, just like, don't take things too seriously or there's just no expectations. Like just don't, ex- you know, we're just going with the flow. And it's like, yeah. But then like, it's like, well, what do you value and what do you want? Like, do you want someone to pursue you intentionally? Are you fine with that? Like, what does this decision cultivate the life that you are trying to cultivate, you know? And that was something that he had said. He was like, um, kind of just like in this season of like effing around. And I'm just like, not like, I'm not interested I- in like moving peace you know like I'm like and I told him in kindness I was like I want to be like pursued by somebody and it felt below my worth to be sitting there like being almost offered this thing of like well he was like do you always just want to go around making wise decisions your whole life and I'm like yes like yeah (laughs) yeah I do actually I yeah I do and like (laughs) turns out I had to keep asking myself that like does this decision cultivate but you said something to me um one time or yeah, you said something to me and it was um, how, or maybe my Angelo said this. I don't remember if it was that quote, but it's like, believe them the first time that they say it. Yes. my Angelo? That was my Angelo. I say that like, she's our friend. Like I'm like, did my, yeah. <laughs> actually, I kind of feel like she, she is, I know that she's passed on to a better world, but I do <laughs> feel like she's always in my back pocket. I feel like she is my friend. And a lot of times I take her hand and say, what should we do here? Because yeah. the 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 history, the wise, everything about her as a human was an investment in analyzing people to an extent that I don't, and I wish I could. I I am cognizant of analyzing people and relative that to my body, but she takes that to a level. So I often feel like I hold Maya's hand and I say, "Okay, what would what should we do here?" So yes, she does feel like she's our friend. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Um, but in regards to like, you know, believing that, believing them the first time that they say it, I think a lot of times, and I've learned my lesson the hard way where you hear someone and they're like, I, there are no expectations. We're just going to F around. Okay. And then you sit there and think, well, if they like me and they start to like me, then maybe they will end up wanting to be in a relationship with me and then maybe they'll take me seriously and then maybe they'll and then you try to like convince yourself to convince them that they want something else but oftentimes then it ends up in heartbreak because like if you would have just listened the first time they said it this dude doesn't want commitment he doesn't (laughs) exactly you know exactly exactly so believe them the first time there's there's a person that i engage with and and we run into each other often and he's he's handsome and he's funny and he's has his own business and he really would just rather screw around. He doesn't want anything serious. And so he's approaching me consistently with, come on, Carolyn, like, come on, like, couldn't we just no? Mm-hmm. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. Now he can be all the things he can be handsome. He can be funny. He can have his own business. He can be like interact with my friends in a great area 
but I don't want just a random, I could, I could, I'm sure all of us could, if we really set our sights on it, have a different person every night. Mm. If that's not what we want, why would we say yes to that? And most importantly, if that's not what we want, we need to offer gratitude to that person and to our mind and our body to say, this is where this person is at in their journey. It's not mine. Go you. Right. Go you. I'm like supporting you. I'm cheering you on. You get to do that with anybody else except me. Right. And that's the part that we don't have to change ourselves in order to fit into somebody else's journey. We just Mm -hmm. don't. Because if, as the more we step into our own journey and honor that about ourselves, the more people come into our lives who are on the same wave wavelength as our own journey. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And you're attracting more people that value the things that you value. Exactly. And so I left that situation and drove away and I like laughed. I'm like, do I cry or do I laugh? Because it's like, (laughs) I don't know what that experience was, you know, but I didn't like, I had enough information to know that I did not want to engage in that again. And one of my really good guy friends, I had told him, I was like, you know, I'm kind of sad about it. Like just this whole situation of dating. And he said, there's the sense of loss is sad, but you can find some peace in having direction and be proud that you know what you want and knew that last night wasn't it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love that. Okay. I hear like, I was like, okay, yeah, that's really needed right now. So yeah, we, I, I had a very dear friend of mine and she was going on a date and like he was firing on every single front. He was attractive. He was smart. He was invested. He was kind. Everything that she valued about what she wants in a partner was like all at a level 10. And so there's about 12 of us that went out to dinner this weekend before her date. And we're all around the table talking and she's telling us, you know, what she's expecting. And she's telling us all excited, you know, about the opportunity. And so we said, okay, is it okay if we like, like, will you text us? Will you check in? And that's what, that's what my friend group does. If there's a date going on, then we establish some kind of barometer of a check-in just so we know the other person's okay. And if the other person is really excited about the date, but yet has a really high case of nerves that yet they can't understand, two of us will randomly show up at that date. Oh my God, I can't believe you're here too. Oh, holy cow. I'm Caroline. It's great to meet you. Who are you? To check in and give like a group, a a group assessment of this person. If somebody is in that gray area of, I think so, but you know, I'm not sure. And there's something about it that, that I want to pursue yet. I also am a little hesitant. Then we kind of float in as friends. So we're all checking in with this friend and saying, is it okay for us, for us to check in with you? And she says, yes. And so I get labeled the person who's going to take the lead on checking in. Mm -hmm. And I check in with her and she says, he has so many things He is just not what I want. Mm. I found that to be beautiful. He is so many positive things. He's just not what I want. Can't label it. Can't tell you exactly why. I just know that after meeting him and spending time with him, he's just not somebody I want in my life. Right. That's beautiful. And he was super cute and he was super smart and he was really suave. I mean, they set up the state and he says, and they've been talking and, and, you know, back and forth for a long time. And when he sets up the date, he says, so let's meet for lunch on Saturday. And I just need to let you know that I don't have any place I have to be until noon on Sunday, which is kind of a suave way of saying like, wherever the night leads us, I'm game. Hmm. And she was fine with that to pursue the date. But, you know, two hours into the date, she's like, he's great on so many fronts, just not what I want. Right. And that's fine. I mean, bless him. Let him go on his journey. You go on yours. No harm, no foul. 
You don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to even have a big conversation with the person that says, here's how I feel and here's how I really want and here's how you don't match. No, you just can say, hey, it's been great to hang out with you. Whenever we connect again, we do. And maybe that's never. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think like when we work towards not having the, you know, I forget the the exact word, but almost like this starvation kind of mentality of like, or the bus mentality that we talk about where it's like, I'm on mm-hmm. a bus, do I get off? Do I get on? What if another bus doesn't come by? There's always going to be another bus. There's always going to be, always, there's always going to be another bus heading in the exact direction of which you want to, in which you want to head. And it doesn't matter if you're like, well, this is a really great, great. This looks really great on paper. Am I going to run into somebody like this again? You don't even know if that bus is going in the right direction. So exactly all of the things, and you could be going, you know, the opposite way down a road that like you were not supposed to be on. And so I'd rather sit on the bus stop and wait and trust that like there's going to be somebody else who aligns with me and like letting them go. And the more that you honor yourself, the easier it gets. And like, as you've seen over the last like couple of months of dating, it's like the more that I honor myself, the more that I realize like it's really actually quite easy for me to be like, "Mm, this doesn't align with me. Like I'm going to remove myself. And I just continue to do that now. Whereas before I would like let it drag out almost for too long until I would get hurt or I would like, it would be exhausting because I was not honoring my body. Exactly. And let's, what you said at the very end there about honoring your body is key because the pushback that we're going to get, and I can imagine that people listening to this are going to go, yeah, but so that does, does that mean like I keep walking away from people? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it does. You're not doing it wrong to be walking away from people because you're going to find the people that you don't want to walk away from and they are not going to walk away from you. But you don't do that if you keep catching every single bus that passes by your way. Mm-hmm. And, and the beauty of acknowledging that the bus that you are about to step on doesn't doesn't have to be traveled is the realization that you are honoring your body more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And you can, and that can take different routes. That can take, that can take many different routes. There's, there's a relationship I've had with a gentleman since 2018. Uh, he actually, in 2018, my heart stopped and uh, there's really no reason I should be alive. Mm-hmm. And this person was called by my doctor to, he's a police officer, to go find her. This is her last known location. We know her heart stopped beating. We don't know what's going on with her. And he and I have been since 2018 in each other's lives. We tried to date for a while. We really did. And and he's super fun and he's yummy and he smells delicious and he's smart, but he's just not what I want. And we still are in contact with each other. We're still, we're going to go out dancing together in two weeks. We're going to go out to dinner. He's an artist. I'm going to go buy his, his, he's rented out a space in which to do his art, but we are not pursuing a a romantic location and relationship no matter where we live because we are better friends than we ever would have been as lovers. Mm. doesn't stop us from saying, I love you. doesn't stop us from checking in on each other. doesn't stop us from going out together and dancing, all of those things. But as it want, what I want for my soul in the form of love, he doesn't satisfy. Mm. And I will say in reverse, what he wants in the form of love, I do not satisfy because we both want very different things from a loving and romantic relationship. That doesn't mean you have to stop being friends. And so the fact that we think that we're talking about walking away from people, it means in their form of relationship of love that you want to pursue. It it still could be a great friendship that cultivates, or it could be nothing, but, but don't negate what your body is feeling because you just want to stop walking away from people when the reality is if you truly hone in on what your body is feeling, the right people will come along. Mm 
the right bus will come and the bus you won't miss. When that bus comes in the form of a right person, it'll come with a marching band and fireworks and beautiful and the inside will be exactly what you look like at the right temperature and with butt warmers that that <laughs> just meet every need, right? But otherwise don't get on the bus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Just want to backtrack for a second. I just want to tap tap into that humor. Why do you think that men have this type of like broy roasting, condescending humor towards women? What is that? I, you know, the you just can't. I do. I'm I'm struggling because I want to I I want to acknowledge first that not all men. I will also acknowledge that a good chunk of men do, and we were just having a conversation at, uh, at dinner this week, this week in Kansas city, it's restaurant week. So every single night we've had dinners and most days we've had lunches anywhere between six people and 12 people within our friendship group going out. And the women at the table the other night were having a conversation about what legitimizes some men to find humor or to create actions that are just so foreign to women. And where we netted out is right now in the world, there is a normalcy of violence, of of violence being okay. And violence in the typical form of actually, you know, outright mass shooting, killing people, but violence also in the humor, violence in the actions, violence in in how you treat other people. And I'll get a little bit political here, but if you have a leader who talks about it being okay to grab women by the pussy and that they actually like that, that legitimizes other men to feel as if it's okay to do that, which statistically in the past four years, the rate of sexual violence against women has climbed from about 35% of women in the United States experiencing that to 47%. So almost 50% of the U.S. female population has experienced unwanted sexual contact and it has risen in the past few years. I think that stems from leaders normalizing violence as if it's okay to touch a woman in her most intimate part without her knowledge or consent. It's not okay. And that's somehow normalized. And it's also normalized in the humor that's a little bit degrading. Like what what is okay about that? Nothing. But if it's been normalized in in society, normalized in movies, normalized in songs, normalized on videos, on reels, on TikTok as okay, then that sort of, not sort of, it starts to become the norm. And so as women, we have to be really vocal about what we want and what we don't want. And if that kind of humor or that kind of touch or that kind of imposition on us is unwanted, that's the point. So we walk away and it's not going to change until other men believe that leadership should be different until other women start saying, what you just did is not okay. And stick to that 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 kind of humor, and it all comes back, I think at a higher level, again, we're talking about humor, but eight eight levels up, we're talking about actual forms of violent behavior toward people that is normalized. And so that trickles down to humor. And I truly believe that in society, in song, in poetry, in again, in all the different forms of communication on social media, the message has been, it's okay to treat women like that. We even have other women mocking or glamorizing women who don't want that. Women who say this kind of treatment of me is not okay. We have other women in the world saying, oh my God, how pathetic are you? So if we can't as a collective rise up within ourselves to say how you're treating me is not okay. And I don't want to hang out with you. And even it doesn't have to be all of those words. It can just be, yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll need a second date. Mm-hmm. I I think that's the, we've, at least my age, my friendship group, again, I'm 55. 
And my age range of my friendship groups um, starts at about 47 years old and up to 65. That normalization of being okay to talk to people, to treat people, to have this humor that is condescending stems from an overall societal viewpoint of this is okay and it's not. Does that, does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, I think it does. And I think I see a lot of like, even um, like my friends, mothers or yeah, women who have gone before me who are in marriages where like they are at the expense of jokes. Yes. I to just sit there and be present through that. Like, you know, they're made to be like the expense at the expense of jokes for their husbands. Yes. Yes. And that's not okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's really not okay. One of the things that we've decided as a group to, you have a choice, you have a choice to call it out when it actually happens, or you have a choice to loop around the back. I've done both on calling out when it happens. I've, I've been on the receiving end of some nastiness from men. Mm-hmm. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you call out my behavior as horrible? I'm sorry, but you just called a woman I love to come bucket and told her to shut the fuck up. Yes, I'm going to call that out. Yeah. We've done it the opposite way too, where we will loop around and say, you know what? I saw what happened to you in this joke that was made. And I just want to let you know, like, I didn't think that was funny. And I'm sorry it happened to you. And in the future, if it should happen again, do you like, what, how can I show up best to be your friend? Cause I just want to let you know you're worth way more than that. Mm-hmm. And that can just be a quiet moment of, I see you. It also can be, I just did it today with a friend. She called out some horrific behavior at dinner the other night. I said, I just want to acknowledge that what you did at dinner the other night, when you said X, Y, and Z stellar, thank you. Thank you for using your voice. Thank you for speaking up. She's like, yeah, I just kind of got tired of the conversation at dinner. I'm like, yeah, I did too. But you spoke up first and good for you. Like you were handling it all yourself. And I appreciate it. As women, we have to stand up for ourselves, stand up for our fellow friends, stand up and say, what's happening right now is not okay. Without any explanation, without qualifying, without saying, oh, but you know, maybe it's just me. No. It's not okay. Right. And if we don't do that as a society, then we have the the perpetuation of that kind of dark humor, that kind of condescending humor, that kind of thing where people think, how do they think that's funny? I don't know. But if we don't say, really? So can I say that out loud? What you just said to my friend, let me say it out loud and see if anybody else thinks it sounds horrible. And then say out loud what they just said. That is a that is a way to call out the behavior in a way that is not condescending, but more of okay. So let me under like let me really understand that. Why would you say this? Because here's what it sounds like. Let me tell you. I just think that's really important for us. As people, I won't just say women because it has to encompass men and women. As people calling out that kind of behavior, it becomes vital for us to share the narrative of what is okay and what isn't. Mm -hmm. No different than telling a joke that's supposed to be funny that really isn't about people in the queer community or people who are black or brown or people like saying some kind of derogatory remark or joke and expecting it to land in the process of othering people, not okay. Right. But somehow that has been normalized within the past six years as okay when it's not. So we may seem like the outsiders on that. We may seem like the lone chorus of voices going, wait a minute, not cool. But I'm here to tell you, there's way more people thinking, wait a minute, not cool than are using their voice. And so when we use ours, we allow other people to use their voice as well. Yeah. And I feel like for people who are listening, if you are like in a relationship and you have a dynamic where 
maybe it could even be familial, honestly, where humor is used. And if you're hearing phrases like, oh, you're just too sensitive or you take things too seriously or, well, it's just a joke. Well, I'm just kidding. Um, and you continue to question your own perception, like something that I really love that someone said to me once, um, he was like, what's important to you is important. And it's so small, but it's like so powerful because it really is true. Like people who value you, like what's important to you is important. And so if a joke isn't funny to you, if someone's using, using something at your expense to make you a joke or they're being rude or condescending, if it's not funny to you, it's not funny to you. And I think like, I'm very aware of those types of like that type of language, like, um, oh, you're just being too sensitive or you're just overreacting or, well, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. It's, I'm just joking. It's like, I feel like that can very much be, sometimes it really is just a joke, you know, and it's just a bad joke. But I think like people recognizing, like, if it's not funny to you, it's not important. And like respecting those lines for you and learning how to communicate and tap into your body and the discomfort that you feel, where you feel that, how you feel that. And then the more that that happens now, I have situations like this where I check in with my body and I'm like, Ooh, I feel this in this space in my stomach. And like, I know this feeling, this feeling is familiar to me because I've listened to my intuition, honored my intuition and stood alongside of it. And this is the same feeling that I'm feeling, you know? Yes. Yeah. And that's the beauty. What you said is just, it's amazing. It's, it's tapping into ourselves and honoring that feeling. Even if we can't label all the dynamics of which cause us to feel that way, we just know that historically when this feeling for you, it's your stomach, for me, it's my ears, that whatever's happening isn't sitting well. And in those situations, we have an opportunity to be silent and walk away. And that's completely fine. We have an opportunity. What my go-to is, it's interesting. I just learned a lot about you. Hmm. And then silence. Well, what do you mean you learned about me? I just learned a lot about you. And I walk away. I don't owe them an explanation. I don't owe them a why. Because sometimes maybe I can't even explain the why. I just know that what you said was really not settling well with me. And so if you want to use your voice in a way that you start to be able to speak up more, the simple phrase of that's interesting. I learned so much about you. Or interesting. I didn't find that funny at all. Mm. And walk away. Yeah. You don't have to participate in the conversation. You can just let people know through through two very simple sentences, what you just did was not okay. Yeah. I feel like this is going to, I'm really curious to know, like if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I've experienced this kind of humor before or like, oh, I know exactly what this like. I'm just curious to know your experiences because I think this is like just something that I see a lot is that humor comes into play and people are made to feel like they're overreacting. And it's really hard to stay aligned with yourself and you begin to question like whether or not you can take a joke um, because, you know, it's just a joke. Why are you feeling the way that you do? Um, so I'm curious. I'm just curious to hear like the feedback from people. Um I am too. I am too. And I would love to know what instances people have experienced this in and then how they handled it. Because it's almost if people say to us, well, you just can't take a joke. Well, then we feel like we have to defend ourselves. The reality is we don't. Mm -hmm. I just don't find your your humor funny. Much Mm -hmm. like I don't really particularly like XYZ type of music. We're not going to defend ourselves against our music choices. I just don't like it. You know what? I like reggae better than I like, you know, in sync. I like, you know, whatever, whatever it is, I'm going old school there, whatever it is, your music choice, you're not defending that. It's the same way with humor. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also think there's just a difference between like a joke and then just being an ass. Oh yeah. I think sometimes they are so closely aligned. <laughs> I think Sometimes the way that humor is done is the biggest indicator of whether or not someone is an ass. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think it's a really easy place to hide for asses. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
they hide behind humor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm working up and I my courage ebb and, ebbs and flows, but I've actually toyed around with what kind of verbiage do I want to use when it's particularly egregious in my mind? Because I know that there are some types of humor that other people don't find offensive. Mm. I So what can I say in those instances when the type of humor is really like not only doesn't sit well within my body, but is actually offensive to me. Like what's a great, what's a great phrase I can use on that. And what I'm, what I'm toying with is, yeah, I don't find anything funny about that at all. Yeah. <laughs> I squirm just thinking of that phrase. <laughs> I'm like, huh. Yeah. <laughs> I just, so uncomfy. One of the things that um, my children give me, tease me about is that regardless of the amount of Botox that I have injected into my face, I can get disappointment across all the same, all the time. So I always pause and tilt my head in those instances when when humor is particularly egregious. And if I can't find the words, I have full faith that my children are correct and that there is no amount of Botox that's going to hide disgust from my face. Mm -hmm. So if I just tilt my head and stare at somebody, I know that that gets to cross the, huh? So you're an asshole without me having to say any words. So if whatever look we can manage to come up that we don't even have to speak, but if, when there's something so egregious Sometimes my therapist says the best use of your voice is to say nothing at all, Hmm. but to use your face to communicate exactly what you need. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're saying to have, like, instead of saying something to them, having facial expressions that give them the understanding that you don't like that humor. Yeah, exactly. And even your presence, your physical presence with someone to walk away from someone who's just told a joke, like give them a look and walk away. That also speaks volumes. You are using your body and your face to communicate what was just said makes me not want to even hang out with you. And that speaks volumes. And which for people who've navigated violence, for people who've navigated toxicity in relationships, for people who've navigated narcissistic parents, sometimes it's really important for us to feel like we have to speak up and we have to use our voice. And what I've discovered over the course of time and the course of healing that there are much better words said when you say nothing at all. Hmm. Yeah. And if, yeah. And I feel like there's, there's always like a time and place for things. I think sometimes it really is just like, you don't need to say anything and you can remove yourself. Or if like you're in a situation where you're like at dinner or something, and it's like, not exactly like you can just like pull your chair away and walk away. I mean, you could do that. Um, certainly, but I think it says a lot about somebody in the way that they respond to you voicing what you feel about a certain situation. I do too. So give me, can you give me an example of that? Yeah. Like one time someone made a joke about a couple that was, um, about the body image of a woman and she was, um, overweight. He, they were like in, you know, just different sizes in comparison. And he was much thinner than her. And he made a joke about their size difference at the table and humored himself at the fact that he, this guy was with somebody who was like so much larger than him. And I didn't like it. And I mean, we already know how I feel about body image. That's just like one of my right. things. Yeah. And you also just, you just don't say things like that. And I communicated that it rubbed me the wrong way. And he took accountability for it. He, admitted that sometimes his humor is crass, but that he would be mindful moving forward to not make jokes like that. And he apologized to me and said that what was important to me was important. And 
he owned it and he never said anything like that ever again. That's all we can ask. That's beautiful because we're not perfect. We're going to screw up. I mean, it can be because we don't know anybody's personal history to which we might make an innocent comment and they take very personally. It all matters in how the other person reacts when you talk with them or when you walk away from them. If they reloop and say, oh my gosh, like, I'm really sorry. If you call it out and they say, you know what? You're right. Let me like, I need to be aware of that. That's all we can ask for. That's actually amazing. That's amazing. And that should be celebrated. And even if it takes people you know, a couple of weeks to come around and say, Hey, like I noticed this and I did this and I've been thinking about it and it really wasn't cool of me. Mm-hmm. Again, that's all we can ask for on a human connection because we want to be able to, it comes back to some people, especially if it's really based on religion or it's based on upbringing, upbringing of, well, gosh, if I'm not extending grace to someone else, how can I ever expect grace to be given back to me? The reality is we can we can still state how that feels in our body when it's happening. It's not that we're eliminating grace from the equation. We're, if we're, as long as we're still staying open to that person and they come around and say, I'm really like, yeah, I, I messed up there. I messed up there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the grace is the beauty of saying, thank you for acknowledging that. Yeah. Okay. I, I see it. Like, thank you for taking the time to think about it. Mm-hmm. That's all we can ask for. And it's those people who either get very defensive and ask you to go on the offensive of explaining why that so much hurt your feelings or why they're okay in saying what they said, or, well, I'm sorry you felt that way. Those are instances where, boy, that's just the, that's like the shotgun over the bow of, all right, so you really are an asshole. Right. <laughs> So you really do just suck. <laughs> so yeah. So I was right. You do just suck. Thank you for um uh, proving my point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think these are all good things though. I really, really like what you're saying. And I think it's like really important to talk about as well because I think humor is something that can be, you know, hidden behind. And there's probably people listening to this right now who are in relationships where they're experiencing this very thing. And they're like, huh, <laughs> you know, like, I feel like I can't take a joke. Maybe it's just not funny to me or it doesn't align with me. And I'm being gaslit to believe that I'm just too sensitive. I'm the problem. Yeah. I'm, I'm too sensitive. I'm the problem. And so this is where we get back Maya into the very origins of relationship, the very beginning point. If there's something going on in that relationship where it instantly makes you not feel good, it instantly makes your stomach hurt. It makes your ears itch. It makes your skin itch. It may, it's like, ah, I don't really like that. This is this person's sense of humor then knowing that you can get off the bus and release that person instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to have to stick around in this relationship because obviously the problem is me. Mm. The more we keep getting off the buses that aren't heading in the direction we want to and fully knowing that the next bus will come along, that it's going exactly at the speed we need and at the direction we want to, to travel the more we fall in line and in love, whether it's friendship or in love with a job or in love with a corporation or in love and having a lover, the more the right people come into our world. Mm. Instead of continually negating our feelings, our body, our, our pathways as the problem we need to solve in order to fit into the shape that this relationship is expecting us to be. Yeah. Yep. So damn good. I think we're on to some really good stuff here. Yeah, I agree. I feel like we just, yeah, we were like a li- uh, initially like, what do we talk about? <laughs> like, <laughs> <it's a> date. <laughs> well, and the beauty of it is like, I, and I think we need to come back to this, these conversations that we're having can be had with adults who are emotionally mature and with young people who are emotionally mature. 
and navigate this together. Because what we need to realize from an intergenerational perspective is that to varying degrees, we are all dealing with the same things. And the more we talk about it, then young women your age range, Maya, have much, much better ability to navigate these kinds of relationships and these kind of choices than women my age who are 55 and are just now having the light bulb moment of, oh, mm. so I didn't have to put up with this Dang. for 25 years. Dang. Dang. Yeah. That means you will parent different. That means you will raise children differently. That means for women my age, we can go back to our children and say, I'm realizing that some things I thought to be tried and true and how I lived my life actually could have been done better. And, and I'm in the way you were arranged, let's talk about how you were brought up if you have any questions or concerns. And most importantly for women my age, we can have these light bulb moments and know and do better for ourselves moving forward. Because if we take great care of ourselves, if we exercise, if we eat right, if we involve ourselves with people who are younger and learn from them, I learned so much from you, Maya, so much. If as an older generation, we can learn from each other, we extend our life in beautiful ways and it's magic. I love that. I don't know. I just think that's so good. And I do too. Beautiful. So do you have anything else you want to say? Um, I don't. I thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for the conversation. Of course, you and I are always open to questions, to comments. Is there something that people would want us to discuss? Is there a, a specific question that people want us to address? Is there a life situation that's giving somebody pause that we can shed a little light on? Ah. Because we know that that silence equates to shame, equates to inaction, equates to repeated behaviors. Mm-hmm. Talking about it takes that out into the sun. And it might be smelly when you first take it out in the sun. It might feel itchy. It might not be something we want to even touch. But the more we touch it, the more we address it, the more we take out into the sun, those silent, shame-filled secrets that we're all carrying in our hearts, the more we all heal and feel less alone in our own journey. Right. Yeah, I think that's good. I'll put that on my story um, this week so that I can... um, yeah. Let you ask questions. Or if you have a certain situation that you would like some insight into, we can, you can send it to me and then we can just filter through them. So I think that's a really great idea. I love it. All right, guys, um, tune in this Thursday for, um, the next episode of a survivor story and we'll see you then. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you.